class that we took, and and birth was just, you know, how it happened. We have a young couple in our church right now that has been in the NICU for over six months with a baby that came. So his first was a little bit different than most. But, you know, the first, and God is interested in first, and he wrote them down for us to study. How many of you remember the first time you spoke in tongues? Of course. Your first intimate encounter with God Almighty. Nobody can take that away from you. The devil tries. When you first get up from the altar and you're pouring yourself out and you receive this, he automatically comes to you and says, that wasn't real. How many of you heard that voice of the devil trying to talk you out of it? But it was real. <laughs> and it is right, and it's your first. And in the story of Nicodemus, Jesus told him that you must be born of the water and of the spirit. There's got to be a first time that you commit yourself to the Lord. And our first in our spiritual birth should all be kind of similar according to the word of God. We repent of our sins. We get baptized in Jesus' name. Right, Sister Ashley? Baptized in Jesus' name. All of our sins are washed away. <laughs> and then ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you haven't had those kind of firsts in your life, I want to encourage you to zero in on that, that scripture because that's where it begins. And in the beginning, you will repent, and then you'll be baptized in Jesus' name. And then you'll speak in an unknown tongue as the Spirit gives you utterance, and that is written down in your book of life. And the Lord is rejoicing. I believe that there are parties in heaven as he pens those names down in a book of life. How many of you like to read? Many ladies like to read. I've been a reader since I was a little girl. I read all the, oh, my goodness, and I can't say, Little House on the Prairie books. That's when I started reading. Do any of you know what Little House on the Prairie books is? Laura Ingalls Wilder. I would read for hours, and then I'd start over and read them again because I just loved them. One time um, I was in the hospital getting ready to have surgery, and it was back in the days when they actually admitted you um, the day before, you know, not, you didn't have to get up at 4.30 and be there, and so I was getting settled into my room, I'm sorry, I meant to put a timer on my watch to give it some, and I, Sister Hannah didn't tell me that I had a certain time, but I don't want to wear you out, because this lady really got something for you, but, <laughs> but I was in the hospital, and, um, uh, we were getting checked in and all of that, and there was a TV on in the room that had Little House on the Prairie on there. And so I was just using that as a diversion to not think about what was going to happen to me tomorrow. And so there was a an orderly that came in the room, and he poured some water, and he, I don't know what he was doing, but he then glanced up at the television and saw it was Little House on the Prairie. And he goes, I hate Little House on the Prairie. How can you hate it? He said, it always ends so good. Now, don't you like happy endings? Not really, he said. I thought, oh, my goodness, you are weird, Laura. You're weird. I like happy endings. Do you ever read the last chapter first? There's a few people that do. You're weird, too. Um, I don't like to read the, the last chapter first. I want to start at the beginning and just digest and read. And, you know, sometimes at the ending, you go, oh, this book. 
and you want to give it to somebody else or you want to read it again. It was so good, and you just kind of hug it to your heart. And then there are other books that the are you kidding me? This is how it ends? I hate those kind of books. I mean, sometimes it's kind of nice to have a surprise ending if it's good, but I hate those like, you've got to be kidding me. I read this whole book, and this is how it ends? You know, we're all, Paul said, an epistle that is ends. You're writing your story right now. And part of one of the chapters is when I was in Kendallville in 2022, and I have changed. That's a chapter in your life. And you can go back to it. It's an altar that you can go back and say, you know, right there, right there. And if you made an altar here at any time yesterday and you you felt the presence of the Lord and you, you let him write down something in your book of life, when you pass by that place, you remember, that's a good story, man. I like that story. And so all of our firsts are written down. Our plots may be a little bit different. Our details might vary from person to person. But we're all headed into this thing called life. And one of these days, it will end. Not trying to be morbid, but, you know, we're human and we have beginnings and we have endings. And we are on this path right now, supersonic speed, it feels like. We're barreling toward the end of our story. How old were you when you first heard the voice of the Lord drawing you? You know, those are details that change for us. I was just a little girl. Some of you, I've, I've been privileged in my ministry to see a three-year-old get the Holy Ghost and an 81-year-old get the Holy Ghost. As long as those firsts are there, you know, it can be written. But, man, it was beautiful to see an 81-year-old man who had preached the Trinity doctrine all of his life. He received it, and, and my husband baptized him in Jesus' name that day. And he said, how am I going to get a chance to tell them what I'm seeing in the last days of my life, that I taught them wrong. First and last are so important. What brought you to an altar of repentance? Was it just the presence of God, the beautiful presence of God drawing you? Maybe it was a praying grandmother. Those of you that are prayer warriors, you are investing in something in eternity. It's, it's valuable. And I believe that mothers and grandmothers can pray prayers that nobody else can pray. I believe that with the glory of the Lord on our heads, we have power with the angels, and we can intercept our loved ones, and we can help to write the end of their story. We want to know what the last is going to be today. Go back in your mind to your first encounter with the Savior. The details may vary, but it was a red-letter day in your life, and I want you to know that your firsts are very important to him. He likes first and last. Just quickly, I'm going to look at some Old Testament uh, scriptures in Second Chronicles 16.11. He says this. I can bring that up on the screen. And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last. Lo, they are written in the book. 25.26. And Judah was put to the worst. That's not anything about first and last. I must have written down the wrong scripture. Second Chronicles 25, 26. Yep, there you go. Now the rest of the acts of Amaziah, first and last. Behold, are they not written? Second Chronicles 26, 22. 
26, 22. It says, first and last are they not written. Second Chronicles 35, 27. It says, first and last are they not written. God's into books. <laughs> He's into first and last. He's into where you began your walk with him and where you're going to finish it. You started your walk yesterday, Sister Ashley, with a first, and he wrote it down. He wrote it down, and when you went down into the waters of baptism, he erased everything that had been written down. You got a brand new start. <laughs> you got a brand new start yesterday. And I believe that God is very interested in our first, but more importantly, in your last. We don't really know the details of how our story ends, but I want you to understand that you can determine the last chapter of your life, that you can make up your mind how that last chapter is going to be. James tells us, tells us that our life is as a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. And so it's important that today we take a little bit of inventory into how our lasts are going to be written. My son recently uh, tore out some landscaping around their house. It was getting too big and too sprawly, and he tore those bushes out. And I went over the next day, and he had planted some little slips of um, dinner, dinner plate hibiscus. I mean, they were like not even as big as this water bottle. And he replaced those great big shrubs with these little slips. And I thought, well, that doesn't look too impressive. But in another year or two, maybe three, those little slips are going to become something beautiful in the front of their home. We just have to have a little patience with that. They're just little seedlings now. But they're going to go through a process. And one of these days, they're going to be beautiful blooms that they can enjoy just as I was thinking those thoughts, I was at the coffee shop in Napanee that I often go to to just study and, and work. And just as I was just kind of penning down that thought about, wow, he ripped out all that stuff and he put these little bushes in there. I have a friend, Nancy Arrowwood, that texted me in that moment. I'm just going to read verbatim what she said. We planted hydrangea, stone crop, and mums three years ago. We had no idea if they would do well. This year, they're bursting with blooms. I needed to be patient. God isn't ignoring my prayers. His timing is perfect. I am to remain faithful and full of faith about my efforts. My heart must trust and believe what I cannot see. It's happening beneath the soil. Miracles are happening. I must wait on the Lord. And the last is going to be more glorious than the first. You know, we love to see babies born, and they're so precious. But fast forward to the end of their life, it needs to be glorious, full of blooms, full of fruit, full of the things that life has added to that. And then writes down beautiful. The last is beautiful. There's a story in the Bible in Acts 3. There's a man that at his first was born lame. And the Bible tells us in that story that daily they carried him to the gate beautiful. That's a pretty boring, horrible life, isn't it? First, he was born lame, and then daily he was laid at the gate beautiful. But this isn't just any other day. 
Peter walks by and John walked by and he might have reached up just a little bit. He'd done this all of his life. Do you have anything for me? Peter says, well, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to you. Grabs him by the hand and he gets up and walks. Wow, what an awesome last. (laughs) What an awesome turnaround in the plot of his life. And what I find interesting is that that was at the gate beautiful, and Jesus walked by that gate. That man must have been laying there. Girls, if you think Jesus has walked by and hasn't answered you, your day is coming. Jesus could have reached down and give that man healing. We know he could. He did it for others, but he did not because it wasn't quite in the plan. He wanted that miracle to be seen by the newborn church. He wanted that man to be able to witness to the newborn church. And so his last was more beautiful and more glorious. And just think about it. It was terrible that he was lame, but, oh, that book ends so good. I love that ending, that he walked, that Peter touched him, that he was a testimony to the church. It was wonderful to know that. So God planted himself in each of you. If you have the Holy Ghost, he planted a seed down in your heart and in your soul. And he desires that seed to be productive. And he wants to see you bloom and produce fruit. He didn't plant just a little slip in you and think, well, it probably is not going to do anything. No. He didn't plant himself inside of you to say, well, you know, she's probably not going to make it. Absolutely not. When he filled you with his spirit, he had high hopes. He had awesome hopes in you that you were going to bloom and produce fruit for others to see and others to enjoy. He desires us to be productive. He desires you to produce unity. He desires you to produce unity in the body and in your home. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. We talked about it yesterday. Sister Burton spoke a little bit of it last night. It's so, so important that you are submitted to the authorities in your life. Please, I don't know why I'm going back to this from yesterday, but check yourself. If you are unsubmitted, get over it. Get over it and get over it fast because he's coming and I want your last to be good. And if you're not submitted, I'm afraid your last is not going to be a good ending. And it won't be good for your kids. She said last night, don't speak against the pastor to your children. You are putting a nail in their coffin and that child's book is going to be, I can't believe it ended that way. When everything so was so good at the first and then there wasn't unity in the home. Oh, God, we want to produce joy. We want to produce joy. When you walk into Walmart, you walk into different places, it shouldn't just be your outfit that draws people to you. It shouldn't just be your uniform that says you're a part of the army of God because if you are snarling and saying mad and angry things, forget the uniform. You are bringing reproach on the church rather than building it up. We need to walk around. We, we put a barrette in our hair, and we get all dressed, and we go out. But if you're not wearing a smile and speak in unity, you might as well just stay home. You are, are maybe going to write a bad chapter in your book that you don't want to write. So what, what are your children gleaning from the produce in your life? 
What is your pastor gleaning from the blooms of the Holy Ghost in you? Can your pastor gather up the blooms of your life and set them here like these beautiful mums on display? I'm convinced there are ladies here that's Brother and Sister Gilliland. She spoke of you today. She can gather the blooms up of your life and say, these are our ladies. They're writing good books. They're writing good stories. They're writing good endings to their book. But there are those that aren't, and it grieves us. I don't have really a green thumb. I like to think I do, but I don't. I'm just going to admit it. And when somebody gives me a green plant, I almost get mad. I got to take care of that thing, you know. And then it starts getting brown, and, you know, I don't know. I set it in a window. Oh, you're supposed to water it. I forgot about that part. Please don't ever give me a green plant. If you want to give me flowers, I love flowers. I love blooms, but don't give me plants. Please don't do that. But how are we going to become blue ribbon plants in this story of our life? You've got to keep that soil moist with tears of repentance. You can't just come to an altar one time and repent and say, I'm going to be good because we're made of dirt and we're going to, we're going to do and say and think things we shouldn't, and we need to water that with the, the soil. It needs to be watered with tears of repentance. We need to fertilize the roots of our plant with the word of God. You're not going to make it without this. You're not going to make it without knowing it, loving it, and hiding it in your heart. The Bible says, if I hide it in my heart, I'll not sin against him. So you can't do that if you're not reading it. We need to lift our branches in worship. And praise to the Lord and to the sunshine of his love. That's how we're going to produce beautiful plants. We need to cultivate. We need to cultivate godliness and holiness. Cultivate it. Think about it. That's done on purpose. That's getting some little tools out and some food to give that plant. The psalmist said in Psalms 27, 4, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after him. That sounds kind of purposeful to me. One thing have I desired of the Lord. If I'm going to write a good story and I want the end to be better than the first, I've got to desire some things. And one thing that I'm going to desire above everything else is to inquire of the Lord, God, are you okay with this? Should I go there? Should I say that? Should I, whatever. God, I, I need to inquire of you. I want your blessing on this. And if you don't want me to do it, stop it, Lord. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after him. <laughs> oh, God, I want to seek after you. I want to inquire in your temple. Oh, Lord, I want to produce fruit in my life. Revelation 2.19 says, I know thy works, your charity, your service, your patience, and your works, and the last to be more than the first. Your last chapter in your book needs to be glorious. It needs to be better than the first. It needs to be a process of the Lord filling you with the Holy Ghost, and then you're moving to the next level, and you're moving to the next level, and you begin to produce fruit that people can partake of. You begin to produce blooms that they can display on a mantle that God can say, yes, that's exactly what I want for you. 
It's better than the first. One day, and it could be today, as we got in the car this morning, my husband said, let's go to heaven today. I said, amen, brother, amen. I believe that soon and very soon it will be the day that we go to heaven. And in that day, if you're caught away with the church, with the bride, it's going to be an awesome moment. We're looking at the floor, and it turns to gold. Our knee is hurting, and it's not hurting anymore. I'm young and skinny again. <laughs> I don't know. It does say we're going to be transformed, right? So we can hope for that. We can hope for that. So it's just so vitally important that we're planning for the last chapter in our lives. Matthew 19.30 says that many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. If you're paying attention to how to write the last chapter of your book, you're going to be pushed right up to the first. First in line that we all love. But if we're not worrying about our last, sure that that's going to be too glorious. Jesus, we love you. I want you to just bow your heads for a minute. I want you to just personally close your eyes and just talk to the Lord for a minute and ask him, what would you have my last chapter to say? I've got to work up to that, Lord. I hope that today's not my last day, but I don't know that. And so I want to be working on the last chapter of my life so that when it happens, I can hear you say, that was a great day. Isaiah 41.4 says this, who has wrought and done it, calling the generations, calling the generations from the beginning, from your first, he's been calling you. And listen what it says, I, the Lord, the first and with the last if you're writing a great story, he's going to be with you in the last. He's going to be the main character throughout your story. He's going to be the one that pens the last part of your story. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Let him be that today. As you're working and growing and producing first and then your last in this life, don't be so busy and overcome with the things that are temporary. They scream for our attention, don't they? They want our attention, the temporary things. But one of these days, one thing is going to matter. And that, it, that I desire the work of the Lord over those temporary things in my life. Let's all stand. And as the music comes, Second Timothy says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have finished what God put a seed in me to do. I've nurtured it. I've cultivated it. I've let the blooms begin to bloom. I've let him pinch off the weeds that didn't need to be there. I let him pinch off some, some buds so that others could grow. It's not fun to let him pinch things off, but it's needful. And you need to submit to that and let him do those things. He's working and growing in your life, producing our last. You're running the race. Are you going to endure to the end? I am. 
I made up my mind. I am. I tell, I've been teaching Sunday school for 50 years. I know that that seems impossible when I'm only 40. But I have been teaching Sunday school for 50 years. And I tell those kids, I've told them for years, I want to see you in heaven. Meet me at the Middle West Gate. All of my students, I want to see you at the Middle West Gate. I'm going to be there. And I want you and you and you to be there. I want to go to heaven. I want the last of my life to be written down beautifully. And when we stand before that great white throne and he opens your book of life and my book of life. Oh, I want him to clutch my book and say, good job. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. Oh, Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation. Just of about that today, just personally, just you and the Lord, I want you to desire one thing of him. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, and desire one thing from the Lord. I want to inquire in your temple, Lord. I want to be held in your arms. I want to make you proud. I want to bloom great blooms. I want to produce fruit in my life that draws others to you. I love you and I praise you and I exalt your name. I cannot do it without you, but in you I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, Lord, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to live a repentant life. I'm going to study your word. 
I'm going to lift my hands and my branches to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm going to cultivate my soil with praise and worship and prayer and fasting. I'm going to be drawn closer to you today, Lord. I love you, I love you, I love you. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Let's sing it a cappella. Sing it to the Lord. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. one more time. Would you lay your hand on a sister and pray for her ending? Would you lay your hand on your sister and pray for the ending of her story, that it can be glorious, that it can be powerful, that it can be a testimony of the goodness of God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is my story. give you the pen. Take a moment and thank the Lord for his word. Jesus, thank you for a word. Thank you for the deep enrichment of our spirits. Oh God, that this word would not come back void, but God, we would activate your word in our lives. In Jesus' name, I'm always in awe of how the Lord strategically ministers in such a balanced way. Thank you for that word. Thank you for being sensitive to the spirit and, and for being an example to us in your walk, in the overflow of your, of your story. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your story in your book. It, it is a treasure. Thank you so much. Ladies, we are blessed. We are blessed this weekend. We're blessed. 
We're going to take a 15-minute break to just reset, to grab a quick drink if you need to, to use the restroom if you need to. And we'll come back for a word.